Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome back for a rather weird episode of Project Archivist for a variety of reasons. I wasn't going to put anything at the beginning of the show, but I kind of have to because there's this weird audio glitch that happens in the show where the recording software and Skype every once in a while go out of sync. And there's these little tiny bits of, of glitches in here where the audio just pops out for a split second. It's annoying as hell. I apologize. And if you can't make it through the show for that, I, I completely understand. Um, this show, I ran pretty much 95% as it was recorded with very minimal editing of removing things out of it. I only removed about 30 seconds of something out of the show um, for for a variety of reasons. <laughs> um, but hopefully you guys enjoy it. If you can't make it through because of the little glitch that's in there, I understand completely. And I, ap I apologize and I'm sorry for it, but I did the best that I could and it just happened the way that it did. There's also a couple of other weird things in the background that you may hear that I have no idea where the hell they came from or what caused them or what have you. So uh, having said that, um, hopefully you guys will enjoy this strange episode. Peace. You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here. Greetings, everybody. Oh, shoot. Good job. <clears throat> Moving on. <laughs> That's great. Well, there goes a glass of, of soda or a pop, as we like to call it up here in the Midwest. There wasn't very much in it anyways. Anyways, uh, tonight we have Stephanie Quick coming on the show. Stephanie is an old friend of ours. She hangs out in the Project Archivist page. Um, you know, Plant Maven. Yeah, a very big plant maven. She's from out of California. I was on the Alex cast with her a little while ago. I've been begging her for years to come on this show and talk about... She she had a near-death experience, and she's a very fascinating woman. She's wonderfully whimsical um, and eccentric in the most fun ways possible. Um, well read. Highly intelligent. Yes, very much so. Um, this is a woman that I have... I don't want to say intense synchronicities with, but I have a lot of very funny and quirky synchronicities with her. And I've been telling her, you need to come on the show. You need to come on the show. You need to come on the show. She doesn't have a book. She doesn't. Well, I think she does have some kind of an old fashioned blog or something like that. But she's just a very fiercely interesting person. Mm -hmm. I think she's been on Radio Mysterioso as well. She's been on the Alex cast. Uh, she's been on a few different podcasts, which I finally guilted her to come on to here because I'm like, all right, you're going to do all these shows, but she won't come on here. And she's like, I'm so nervous, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, really? We'll find out why in a little bit, won't we? So, yeah, she's going to come on here. And we haven't done any shows about near-death experiences in quite some time. Uh, we've covered yours. We've covered Bad Hammers. Did we cover anybody else's? I don't remember. No, uh, no we've touched on stuff in passing, though, with people that have been on. Yeah, yeah. I got true. her whole write-up. So Stephanie, she sent it to me after I was on drawing out the spirits. You know, it's really weird too. Like we'll do a show. I'm to a point with her now where we'll do a show and I'll be thinking Steph's going to say something about this. Steph's going to say something about that. And damn, damn shit. Sure enough, she always does. So, and I've had these really intense conversations with her on Facebook messenger. Like she's like, you don't get a, hey, what's going on from Steph? You get a, hey, what's going on? Blah, 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 blah. And it's like, all right, let me grab a cup of coffee here and pull up a chair and read this. you know Because <laughs> she's always got a lot of stuff to say. So um, let's just uh, jump into the interview. And as always, we will see you guys at the other side as I clean up this 
fierce mess that I've created here. Yeah. <laughs> See you guys in a bit. Yee. anyways you know us so this is like no other time oh thanks for saying that <laughs> wow we go roll no don't <laughs> wow what a dick <laughs> all right don't think about pizza <laughs> <laughs> so this week we have stephanie quick with us stephanie has been a oh gee i want to say longtime friend of the show but you've been around with us for how long have you been with us would you say i know it's been a Probably few years since- but like the fifth or sixth episode. No way. Really? Oh, gee. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Wow. I didn't yep. know you'd been with us that long. I had no idea you were, you were old school. Wow. Oh, yeah. We don't get to meet many of you people anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, we, me and Lobo were discussing before this all got started. We've only had a couple of people on here to talk about near-death experiences. We had Bad Hammer, which you've brought up in other episodes. And mm-hmm. we also had Lobo's experience. And that's yeah. pretty much it, um, because most people, uh, the whole stereotypical, I saw a light, friends and guests were there and blah, blah, meeting me on their side. It's it's not often like that at all. Those, those for whatever reason, are the stories that everybody tunes in and picks up on. But people mm-hmm. that have actually had near-death experiences, be they some kind of spiritual or chemical reaction in the brain, all of that stuff really doesn't matter to us. It's the experience itself and how it affects people and what you got out of it that is of more interest to us. Um, whether or not people are actually dying and going to the other side, if there's an afterlife, I really don't give a shit about that. I don't know about Lobo, but <laughs> um, we all know where I stand on that. It's it's more <laughs> a matter of, you know, what was the experience and what happened. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself if you want to. I understand that you have a blog. I didn't know you had a blog uh, for for what for what the particular subject is. So, uh, OK, go ahead. It's right now. <laughs> Okay. Well, I'm probably most well-known as the elder sister of uh, rock star fly fishing guide, Brian Quick. Really? Well. Really? Kind of, actually. (laughs) Rock star fly fishing. (laughs) No, now I'm like really interested. This is like. Go. I thought you might be. My brother, actually, he's he's always been a hunter and interested. In, he tied flies from the time he was a kid. He's retired Air Force now, and he works up in Reading as a fly fishing guide. And a um, he's been doing that for a few years. And recently, a magazine um, interviewed him, and that was the tagline they gave him on the cover of the magazine. So we've all been teasing him about it. Um, Get this image of Ted Nugent with a, with a fishing pole in his hand instead of the guitar, like rocking on the stage i know that's not what it is but that's what pops in my head (laughs) try living in the same state as him anyways no i know really it's just like too much yeah and he's single um but yeah he's he's really nice we all uh both of us share a big love of nature so um it's a lot of fun there but uh i don't know i'm just uh well oh geez i need to come up with the elevator uh thing which i haven't done yet my blog right now is called ghost dog is a mystery box and that is kind of a title of one of the first of my own experiences that i wrote up and published on that blog and kind of got me off the um dime as far as writing up some of the experiences that i've had over the many decades and uh you know publishing them in one place online 
And um, so I call it an esoteric memoir because it's experiences, but then also like recently I wrote a post about liminality and what are the four states that are always liminal um, as an introduction for people. Cause it's a, I studied anthropology in college and it, uh, that co concept comes from anthropology. So, um, and I just, uh, Right now, I've been a housewife for a while. I've had a number of chronic medical problems that have made it difficult for me to work. Um, I have One living of those in is Northern probably listening to our show. <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, so, <laughs> so, anyway, I just try to stay away from the soda or pop. But uh, I, as a young woman, I was... A, well, not even really a woman. Well, oh God. Anyway, when I was very young in high school, I ended up uh, having a really bad autoimmune disease that busted out and was kind of like an asthma bronchitis type of thing. I missed about a year of school. They had to give me all type of crazy, crazy medicines. I was really sick. I had side effects. Um, then I uh, graduated. I went to college, but I was always getting sick. Um, you know, I, one year I got like 12 sinus infections. I mean, my immune system was just in terrible shape. I developed Hashimoto's thyroiditis, had complications from the treatment for that. Anyway, so when I was 21, I ended up with uh, this kind of asthma bronchitis stuff again coming on me. And um, I was just sicker and sicker. And they were giving me medicine. It didn't work. I ended up in the hospital. They gave me intravenous steroids and I was still going downhill. And so the um, doctor decided to give me this treatment, which resulted in me uh, going into convulsions for like 20 minutes, and I had this uh, near-death experience. Now, when I was very uh, young and growing up, I was always interested in science, and I ended up having a fair amount of science training going through school. But I always had an interest in weird stuff, you know, just like ghost stories and UFOs and monsters, and it, I never really kind of got over it. And I always had this feeling that I just wanted to know what was behind the bullshit. You know, what is the mm -hmm. truth behind all this stuff going on? And I was just always really interested in all that stuff. I was very interested in ethics and different religions. Um, so then when I had this near-death experience, like me. <laughs> yeah, it, there's a lot of there's a lot of people I guess out there. <laughs> and um, yeah, so then when I had this near-death experience, it, you know, this, we can get into it. It's this intense mystical experience where you have this this knowing, and plus I received a lot of teachings and exercises um, and a connection to these spiritual beings on wherever they are. Um, and so then I was working with that more. And then in my early 30s, I ended up um, getting even more into it. I lived in a Tibetan Buddhist meditation center for a while, and I studied with a meditation teacher, Leslie Tem Temple Thurston, pretty intensively for two or three years, about every month I was sitting with her. I dated a shaman lady who did a sweat lodge every month. I was kind of like going <laughs> all guns. Wow. wow. And uh, okay. so that, you know, that was very, I mean, it was a time in my life where I was able to do that for a while, and, and it was really fun, and I learned quite a bit. Um but, you know, ever since then, I've just been practicing and um, just trying to, you know, learn more what I can through various experiences. So so how did you, uh, well, how, how did you, how, did you actually die or did you almost die? Were you on death's door or? Put it this way. Okay. So I woke up, I was strapped down to a table. They were reading off these blood pressures 
that were like the lowest one was over 200. I thought, shit, someone's had a heart attack. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's someone's me. I, I never got the story on how close I came because every time I brought it up to the doctor who had, he was my doctor from the time I was 15 uh, up until about, I don't know, I was in my 40s or whatever. Every time I bring it up to him, he would just start fucking yelling and just throwing fit because wow. it upset him so badly. Wow. Yeah. Nice doc. So I don't. <laughs> well, I, I got to tell you, it's, these people, they have this idea of professionalism about medical people these days. And a lot of it is warranted and valid, and there's a lot to be said for it. But there's a lot to be said when you are 38 years old, 39, you just got married for the first time. You are basically dying of something that's almost killed you a couple times before. Nothing's working. And just being able to have a, you know, screaming fight with someone mm-hmm. at this horrible situation that you're in is kind of nice. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> yeah, let's go back to, let's go back to when you died. God, I feel like George Norman. Um, <laughs> um, you didn't say it right then. Yeah. Fascinating. <laughs> Fascinating. Do you think it was angels? <laughs> No, really though. Like, so, so, okay, you, you die. And then what happens there? Well, to me, what, what I found interesting. Oh gosh, sorry. <laughs> I have this bamboo lamp and it, it keeps falling over. So now it's at the <laughs> see, I'm not the only one having problems dropping crap over tonight. <clears throat> I've been untouched thus far. Yeah. We'll, we'll work <laughs> on that. <laughs> so, um, I have this procedure and what they do is uh, they take a laparoscope, which is like this long twisty thing. It has a laser in the middle of it and you can take biopsies with it and can put medicine down it. So um, they put it up your nose, put it down your throat and into your lungs. So you can see it has this laser light on the end of it. You can see this bright red spot in your chest shining through from the light being so strong. Um, and the idea was to take lidocaine, like when you numb your teeth up mm-hmm. and to put, pour it down, you know, from my head, pour it down through this tube and then bathe the, uh, bronchi with this lidocaine because sometimes your, uh, bronchi just get so irritated. They're constantly spasming for no reason. And sometimes this lidocaine can help break that cycle. So that was the idea. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting there and of course, you know, this doctor, you're sitting on the edge of this uh, gurney and the doctor's like right there in front of you um, and you're breathing this in and you can see this light shining out of your chest and healing liquid. So, you, you know, you're kind of in tune with breathing it in when they spray it in and then breathing and breathing it in. And then you're like nose to nose with this person. Of course, they're breathing the same way because it, you know, it's very hard to not synchronize breathing. So you I started to overdose on the lidocaine basically because I don't have a calcium metabolism because I lost my parathyroids in when they uh, removed my regular my thyroid for Hashimoto's thyroiditis. Damn, years girl, you're all messed up. <laughs> oh, honey, <laughs> she, she just after a while, it's just like yeah. Uh, but um, and so what happened is that the lidocaine binds with your calcium in your system, and your nerves need calcium in order to communicate properly. Mm-hmm. So if you've ever seen puppies that have like milk sickness where they convulse a little bit because they're not getting enough calcium, it's a similar thing. So I start kind of going into this state, but I, you know, when you're focusing on your breathing, you're focused healing, you're 
you know, losing your separate sense of self because the effects of the drugs, the synchronized breathing. And what was fascinating to me was several years later when I um, recognized a Tibetan Tonka as being about the same thing that I had seen in or experienced in my near-death experience, I went and um, was sitting at the Chen Rizi meditations up at this Tibetan uh, meditation center. And what was fascinating to me was that this is like the same, the basic structure of it is you have this healing lotion that's coming down from your head through your neck, bathing your heart, which is like a shining jewel that you can see coming out of your chest. And you're all coordinating this with breathing and you're supposed to be thinking about other people and your connection with them. So to me, it was fascinating that this, I had the iconography in this medical procedure that shows up again in this particular belief system, which happened to be the one that I connected with. So now, Rojan, you were just telling me that you're a skeptic, so this is going to be way too woo for you, I'm sure. No, no, it's, <laughs> <But> it's <laughs> my situation is different than most, so it's it's okay. Go ahead. <laughs> I mean, I just say this is my this is what strikes me. This is something that I'm comfortable with. But then I always say people should, you know, you, you listen to other people, but you should believe what you have figured out and experienced for yourself. Mm-hmm. If you haven't had the same experience, mm-hmm. you know, don't swallow it whole. Exactly. So or do. Anyway, <laughs> whatever works. So anyway, so I start to feel kind of fuzzy and separate and kind of, and not even like losing consciousness. All of a sudden it was just like, I was completely out of my body. I've had out of body, a couple of out of body experiences since then. It's a very different feeling when you're conscious and in a dream state and healthy. This was just like all the way out. Just you lose everything three-dimensional space time uh the idea that you're made of chemicals specifically dna airs around you it just every single thing you know gravity all these things just ripped away and you're just in this huge space that is just unbelievably loud the tibetan bardo is known for being very loud it's like very thunderous and it was really loud and it's huge, but at the same time, it's like really crowded in with this like this consciousness and all this just stuff like trying to, I don't know what. And it didn't look like, I mean, it never looked like much to me. It was just kind of like a black and then kind of like tiny speckles of maybe star, kind of like stars, but they weren't really, they're very faint for stars. Mm-hmm. So, and I was just absolutely terrified. When you get these people that have these experiences, like an alien abduction or whatever, and they talk about that, that artificial fear, just that huge, just terror that just takes over more than you could ever knew that you were. Mm-hmm. That's what it was like. And people, I mean, cause I was in, one time I was in a car accident, this kid turned in front of me and I just busted my head open on the steering wheel. And they're just like, I mean, it sounded like it was raining. There's blood everywhere. That was nothing compared to this. I mean, it just, it's like this existential terror. Anyway, so I was there and I was just kind of like shocked. But then I noticed that there was uh, like an intelligence. There's nothing I saw, but it was just like a knowing of like a big intelligence that felt like one thing, but also maybe like it was made of many intelligences. And they were making themselves very uh, obvious. Like we're here, but it wasn't at all an imposition of will. 
it was very much like, we are here, but you have to say yes. Have you ever read the Tibetan Book of the Dead? Oh, yeah. That's You're describing something that very much is part of the Tibetan Book of the Dead. Yeah, um, yeah. Whose name I can't remember. There's a there's a name for it, but I can't remember what it is right now because I, I I honestly haven't read in the Tibetan Book of the Dead in a couple years. So, mm-hmm. but I've I've heard this is well. It actually makes sense because you said you've gone through Tibetan meditation and things like that. So it jives with it. Now I got to ask you: Were you the Tibetan meditation stuff that you went through? Did you do that as a result of this, or were you doing that before this? Yeah, happened? I, I. I I don't even think I knew that Tibetan Buddhism existed when this happened to me. Okay, so it's it's a different Oops. cause and effect that it's not you were doing the meditation oh, yeah. and then this happened to to steer your to steer your journey through this. This is the opposite. You had this happen to you and then you got into the Tibetan meditation. Yeah, yeah, okay. because then it was several years afterwards that I I recognized okay. that, that there was some similar material there, so I was interested in it. So, so or it's been pulling you with... the whole time. Yes. That's, that's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> said, or it's been pulling you the entire time. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, and when I was uh, living at that center, there was a Rinpoche there, uh, Lama Kunga, and uh, I discussed some of this with him. And uh, he said, yeah, sounds about right. He said that he... Uh, said that those beings sound like the Tathagatas, which are, what do you say, kind of like a interdimensional FBI. (laughs) 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 But it's kind of like they're going out and they're looking for people that could use some help, basically. And so if you want to, they will be there. Anyway, so as soon as I said yes, um, then it was just, it was like, it was just as intense, but there was kind of an organization to it where you could start to comprehend it. I was thinking about that today because I always tell people that that first, those first moments, the only thing I've seen that compare or experience that compares to that is there's these people in um, Joplin when they had that huge F5 tornado a few years ago. Yes. And yes. they rode out the tornado, which went right over them in a gas station, and they were kind of like in a beer cooler refrigerator thing and they taped it i don't know if someone had their phone going when it was like 18 or 20 people in there little kids and just to me that's the only thing that has been captures that moment where it's just all of a sudden just everything you know just goes out the doors people are screaming it's super loud you have no idea what's going on um but it but then and this is another kind of esoteric weird tangent but um my husband and i uh, have been to seeing uh, king crimson live a few times um <laughs> the big group and you know that uh, robert fripp is a gurdjieff fan right mm-hmm. or not a fan he's a student of gurdjieff and you know especially these last few tours they've had like this huge setup where they have like three uh complete drum kits and it sounds like a gimmick but it's just fantastic when you're sitting there just bouncing all over the place but it's kind of like that if you're sitting there in a good theater and it's just like so much noise but it kind of goes from being like the panic and complete dis- dissolution of everything to suddenly it's just as overwhelming but there's a structure to it and it's multi-layered and um so it, it was like just as loud but i started to hear pay attention i'm i am certain that someone said that as they were trying to do whatever they were doing to me but that was like the continuing thing as they were 
um, using that phrase to impress upon me the idea of um, mindfulness meditation. Mm-hmm. And so they were talking about how this is uh, very, it wasn't really, I don't know. Anyway, it was conveyed to me. It was a very important way of developing uh, physically, partly because when you're very ill, of course, you, many people dissociate. You don't want to pay attention to what's happening with your body because it's horrible and awful. Um, but if you don't pay attention right, then you can't know how things are going so you can get better. The other thing that they were talking about was that this would help to build my light as like kind of a spiritual aspect of things, the mindfulness meditation. Um, They also talked a lot, and this not much of this was talking, but it's just trying to convey an experience that, you know. um, They talked about the, there was this organ, and it's kind of like... the physical there's between the physical and the emotional and mental that there's this in between substance and this organ is made of that substance and it is the thing that uh keeps your soul connected to your body and that i needed to walk to develop this organ and it took me years afterwards to realize oh they're talking about the root chakra now this is ironic because um i was a kid in the 60s and we were living up here in the east bay and i spent uh, many a day and night tromping around telegraph avenue and we were going to a unitarian church where we had all type of you know people talking about all type of crazy stuff and the high school kids were dropping acid while we were in sunday school all type of stuff so i'd heard that fun oh it was pretty good um so i had heard <laughs> Things were a lot different Sorry, when we were <laughs> So I'd heard this I this word chakra I a billion times. I'd heard people talk about this stuff. I've been rolling my eyes for years about it. But then when it's conveyed to you like on this informational experiential level, I had no way to hook it up with a language. So while this it, is happening to you, you're still seeing the stars in the sky kind of thing. Yeah. Or, so that was the yeah. visual experience you were happening, that you were having. Yeah. Okay. It, it would change. I, I would see this and then I would have this, exp- I would feel like I was kind of falling. And then I would see that these, this whole kind of star thing would kind of move very slightly. And I had the sensation that I was falling and kind of getting, kind of falling through various uh, dimensions, like from very big to very, very small. And then it would get really like to a point and then you'd pop into a huge dimension again. But I didn't feel like I was getting smaller or larger because I just, it was like, I was just a point, mm-hmm. pure consciousness. So yeah, so there was that whole thing. And the, that, the whole idea of uh, the sense of movement is one of the classic signs of a near-death experience. Also, the Tathagatas, another classic feature of the near-death experience is having some outside intelligence which is with you or guiding you through this experience. So it can take many different forms. It could be a relative. It can be uh, Jesus or Krishna, uh, you know, a glowing light. But A large yeah, flaming pirate ship in the sky? <laughs> it could be. Uh, <laughs> funny man. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> but then the, the other main thing that I was uh, uh, taught at this time was that uh, a form of protection. Now, Lobo, I know that you know about all different types of protection. So this is the one that I was uh, given the transmission for, which is um, basically neutral or no mind, right? Mm -hmm. Which is a state of consciousness, but it's also an energetic wavelength and kind of a place in your body. Mm -hmm. If you can hide out in there, then it's very difficult for anyone to get to you. It's an outside echo chamber for anybody trying to tap in. Yeah, they can't find a way to to get it. And the interesting thing was that they were telling me that these very like the mindfulness practice um, and developing my compassion for other people uh, would develop my light if I wanted to hang on to that myself to go in the neutral spot, because, of course, there's going to be other entities out there that want to get some of that light for themselves. Mm -hmm. So they were telling me about that. And then the other thing that they impressed upon me was the, uh, the fact that we're all connected. It's like, we're all one, even though we're having this separate experience, there's, uh, also this, um, angle in which, or perspective or way in which we're all, you know, intimately connected and we don't have these huge boundaries between us. Um, so that was probably about, the main aspect of that. I mean, that's probably about most as good as I can explain it. So did you get like yanked back in your body or whatever, or did you just kind of phase out of it? I just kind of fade, faded out. And then I went unconscious or I was asleep or whatever. And then I woke up. So and how long, how long were you actually out for? Did the period of time that you were actually out for, did it match how long that you were on the table out for? Like, did this seem like a longer experience than you were actually gone in the, in the physical world? It seemed like it was outside of time. It always does. Yeah. I didn't have that sense that I lived lifetimes or anything. If I had to guess, I would say it was, it was a lot shorter than I was. I was apparently in convulsions for 20 minutes. Um, but if I had to guess, I mean, it, it, what I experienced could have been wrapped up probably in three or four minutes if the, uh, if the, uh, teaching entities that I came across were particularly skillful. We're the new guys. You're our first client. So just, um, just, just bear with us. We're, we're all figuring this out here. <laughs> <laughs> you were the first day on the job for them. <laughs> oh man. Um, so the before and after, um, mm -hmm. what were you before and what were you after? Did it have a prominent effect on you? Uh, just a little bit. <laughs> Mostly. Well, after, for like the month or so afterwards, I mean, I was incredibly weak from, um, you know, my illness uh, luckily, the procedure worked. I did turn around and and uh, started to get stronger. But I was just for about a month or so. I was just like my eyes were just bugging out of my head. Every everywhere I looked, all the time, I would just see that void, just like kind of emanating off everything, just like heat waves. So, uh, you know, and after a while, that tamped down. But I definitely was opened up to that spiritual or psychic act aspect of things. Um, 
For me, I found that, and there's a lady that I like to recommend. Her name is PMH Atwater, and she's done a huge amount of research on near-death experiences. And she has a book called Coming Back to Life, and it really concentrates on the after effects of the experience. Because it really, you know, you get all this new knowledge and this knowing and these experiences and facts and just all this new information coming at you. And it, she finds for most people, it takes about five to seven years before they're able to kind of settle down and convey effectively, you know, what they're trying to get at. Cause she says you have a lot of people and they're just like, I saw the light. I saw the love. Everything is pure love. But then they come back and they're just irritating the living fuck out of their family. They are fucking up at their job. <laughs> You have to be able to integrate it, you know? It's not that easy. It's not. See, it's funny because I remember, when Lobo, when you had your thing, I asked you at the time, I was like, well, you know, how has this affected you? And you said, I don't think it's affected me at all. And I remember saying, I said, in a year, I'm going to ask you this question again, and we're going to see where it goes. A year? It's been five, and I still haven't got any answers. Yeah. Yeah, but you were like, nah, this isn't going to affect me. I'm going to get up and go to work tomorrow and blah, blah, blah. But I since did. then, you've brought it up. Well, yeah, you got went to work and stuff like that. But yep. on some level, it's, it still did tweak I you to some extent. I have done my damnedest to continue along in a manner that I find comfortable. And it Uh-oh. is a grind daily. Even after five years, it is a grind. I find that it is, it's, I'm gaining more understanding now with mindfulness at the, it's going to sound stupid, but at the gym when I'm centered on myself and I don't have any outside influences and it's just the physicality of it. I'm finding more and more mindfulness through that. Then I text you and ruin it in the middle of your workout. (laughs) Yeah, you did that, didn't you? (laughs) Oh, Um, well, I, I give them this, this, this is how me and Lobo are. There's there's things that people should take very seriously, whereas me and him, we we crack jokes about it and stuff like every time he says I've been sober for this many years. The first thing is, great, let's celebrate and go get a drink. Now, most people that are that are recovering addicts, you don't say that to. But I can say that to him because he knows that there's no venom to it. There's no you know, I'm saying it because of what it is. So, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, there's things like that that me and him will do because he knows there's nothing to it. It's just it's just how we are. It's because so. it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> like I would never take Lobo to a bar and say, hey, let's get a drink and ruin your sobriety. That would that would never, ever happen in any way, shape or form. But um, yeah, it's 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 just how we are. That's just how we do things. So um, now me and you were talking about synchronicities and, and me and you have a lot of synchronicities. Um, yep. You're one of those people that for whatever reason, me and you are attuned on some weird but funny level. Um <laughs> To where me and you will have weird things that happen all the time and we always crack jokes and laugh about them and things like that. Um, yeah. Do you have this happen with a lot of people? Do you find it happens with everybody? Do you find it happens with specific people? And to what varying degree and how intense does it get? Did I ask too many questions at one time? No. <laughs> ask a few more. Do you prefer paper or plastic and does the stress make me look fat? No, you're fat. Make sure it's fat. Go ahead. (laughs) Wow. Oh, boy. Sounds Um, like what I said to the wife earlier. And you're still alive. (laughs) Um, Well, let's see. 
Like, did you experience synchronicities before this happened? Has this always been something that's been in your life? You know, it's interesting because I had, um, I always had an interest in this weird stuff. I never experienced much until right around the time that I had this near-death experience. And it's interesting because I was just reading this paper by uh, Julie Beischel. She is studying, uh, she's like doing parapsychology studies, I think. They've been studying mediums. So they've been, uh, you know, taking histories and doing readings. But anyway, she was uh, talking to um, Farusha on Shattered Reality Podcast about this and talking about how uh, being a medium is different from many other psychic experiences because you're communicating with the dead, which I had never occurred to me before to see that as a separate category because I've always had uh, communication with the dead as part of everything else that's going on with me. And I believe that when the first instance that I had of that was in a dream, which I had before this near-death experience, um, my uh, neighbor growing up, had uh she was a few years older than i and she uh, when she was in her very early 20s she got married down the aisle got pregnant very quickly had the baby and then the baby was only a few weeks old and her husband came home and she was um unconscious on the floor she'd had a huge aneurysm yeah she died and it was less than a year later they carried her coffin down the same aisle she just walked as a bride brutal yeah it's a horrible you know, nice people, but it's just, you know, luckily the, the, the father was really good about keeping her, her folks involved with the, the baby and everything. But, um, I don't know, not too long, like my, maybe about a year or two after she died, I had a dream of her. She was talking to me. She was at Aber's house and Mrs. Johnson's house. And Mrs. Johnson had like six or eight kids. They were Mormon. And they, so they always had a ton of kids. They were really fun. And, um, <laughs> Actually, I lied when I said nothing had happened before because something happened at Mrs. Johnson's house. But anyway, so uh, I was there. We were in her yard and Claire was just uh, digging in her garden and she just seemed a lot more mature than she had ever seemed when I knew her because she died when she was very young. But she was just telling me how, you know, just because you die, it doesn't mean that all your problems go away and that things don't change that much. You still, if you have things going on just dying doesn't solve it just talking about the continuity of you know working through you know your karma or whatever you want to call it and i woke up and i was very startled i mean it's one of those dreams that really struck me that you know there's a lot of dreams it's just like sorting through your mental shit it seems like but then there's other dreams that you really feel like you've had a communication you've really gone someplace and this was one of those dreams but it was before the near-death experience and the interesting thing about uh the johnson's house was i was friends with her daughter janine and we were in elementary school and of course they had like i don't know six kids and i was one of three kids and there are just a ton of kids all over that neighborhood so we end up with like i don't know like eight or ten kids in a bedroom and we, they told the the uh, curtains and put a blanket over and everything so it'd be dark and they start do that you know light as a feather stiff as a board mm-hmm. kind of thing levitate mm-hmm. someone mm-hmm. and the, yep. the she would janine would really get into it oh this is so-and-so who died in a tragic car accident and blah blah and all the gory details but the weird thing was you know sometimes it wouldn't work other times it's like you i mean you can feel when someone is tensing up they're not tensing up they're just you have to keep 
they're just going up and you have to raise your arms quickly to keep up with them. So I, it's one of those things you think, well, obviously that couldn't have happened, but I experienced that with a bunch of other people that said the same thing. So I don't know. But anyway, so those are a couple of things that happened before that. So since then, I don't know, I really started getting into synchronicities around another health issue. I'd always thought that they were fascinating. I read uh, Messengers of Deception with uh, Jacques Vallée, where he has that great uh, Melchizedek uh, synchronicity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I made it about halfway through that book for some reason. (laughs) I don't know why. (laughs) You're a trooper. Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) So anyway, so I guess was, I don't know, probably about 15 years ago, this is when I really started getting into synchronicities. So I was reading this book about synchronicities. And at the same time, I was having a really gotten sick with this thing yet again. And they gave me tons more steroids to try and get out of it. It was really bad. And I ended up, it turned out I had really bad nerve damage. And, and it was really bad, especially my left leg. And I was having problems walking. I was, I mean, it was just in chronic, horrible pain all the time. I couldn't like go to the store with my husband and go grocery shopping and come back with that. I would just end up on the floor crying is just horrible. And I go to all these doctors and like, well, you can't find anything. And then you're like, do you have anything for this pain? And then, you know, then they start thinking that, Oh, you just want pills. And so it was really getting to be a desperate situation. But I was reading this book on synchronicity and this guy was saying the best way to drum up, more synchronicities is to just notice synchronicities and you kind of have to be in this uh, attitude of noticing things and saying, yeah, wow, that could be one, but not really don't believe your own shit Mm -hmm. (laughs) into a really good one. That's pretty, you know, blatant. Um, But that's a way of getting the ball rolling. So I thought, well, I was going to see a neurologist in a month and I thought I would just really, I desperately need a diagnosis for this. And so how about I spend this next month trying to drum up synchronicities? Because in the past, whenever I'd had a really bad problem, a time when I was sick and I had the near-death experience, right, I'd have some type of mystical or numinous experience that would be at kind of the crisis point, and then I would get better. But, you know, I wasn't anywhere near sick enough to have that type of thing happen naturally. So I thought, well, maybe if I get these this kind of energy coming in this way and you know, it doesn't cost anything. What what the hell am I doing? And Elsa <laughs> as well. So I got some pretty good synchronicities. There was one that was my, uh, I was going with my dad to a golf store because my dad's a epic golfer and all the guys in my family are really into cars. So we were driving to Walnut Creek. We're going through the Caldecott Tunnel and I see one of those cars. It has the, the pipes that look like gills on the side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yep. So I'm like, Dad, what are those things? He's like, oh, well, and he's all telling me all this stuff. And, of course, I listened very carefully because I can't remember a damn bit of it, <laughs> even what they're called. <laughs> so anyway, so he's talking about this blah, 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 blah. So we've had a lot of energy about these gills on the car. So we drive into Walnut Creek, and he can't quite see the golf place. Oh, we drive past it, and we come around the block and drive into the parking lot. And just as we're driving into the parking lot, there is an, a car there. And it's a different car, and it has those gills. Same thing on it. And the license plate is customized, and it uh, starts for her. That's like, ah, a synchronicity for me. 
So I enjoyed that. But the cool. big thing was the um, day that uh, I had this appointment later in the, like, I don't know, three in the afternoon or some damn thing. My mom was going to come take me. Okay. So I took two Vicodin so I could take my daily walk and not just dissolve into whatever. So I'm walking out this road and then I'm coming back towards the house and I'm at the bottom of this kind it's kind of a rise mill, but it crests. And I look up and I see my neighbor who is like a Mary Kay sales lady. So she's always saying hi to everyone and her dog biscuit, who I love her dog. biscuit. (laughs) Yes. And a new dog. I'm very animal oriented. And so I'd always, you know, this lady, I don't know. She was okay, I guess, but the, you know, I always want to say hello to biscuit because it's a sweetheart. Mm -hmm. Right. So I see them coming towards me, something, I look away for like a split second, and I look back, she and the new dog are still there, but where Biscuit was, it's just kind of like a translucent white cube, and then they all disappear. So I'm like, well, and then within, it wasn't even half a minute, you could see her cresting the hill with this new dog, but it turned out the Biscuit had died since I'd last seen her, and she got this new dog, which is why my blog is called Ghost Dog is a Mystery Box. Hmm. So that was all very interesting as a, you know, as a strange experience to see like a doppelganger and a dog doppelganger and a ghost dog. But then within four or five hours, I had a diagnosis from going to this neurologist. Oh. Yeah. Which, unfortunately, they couldn't do a lot about it, but then it made it possible for me to get medicine so I could function better. So it was worth it. That's good. So that got me uh, more interested in synchronicities. And so I I would pay attention to them more. I mean, in all this type of work, you know, your attention is going – the more you develop your attention – and your ability to be mindful and to focus and discipline your attention, your mental focus, the more uh, you'll notice things and the more things will become, uh, you know, you'll start to have more synchronicities or, you know, various occurrences, be able to astral project or whatever it is that you're into. Um, Do you have any ability to turn it off? uh, That's the whole point of developing mental discipline. There are, it's funny, since I spoke with you on the Alex cast, mm-hmm. Rogan, I've been doing some writing and more thinking of uh, resources for people that uh, have, like would be an empath or have a psychic awakening so that you can uh, turn things off and um, moderate things and also use your abilities to possibly be helpful to uh, other people or animals. So, um, basically, let's see. Uh, okay, let me let me take this tack. So I, I was more interested in synchronicity. Then in 2014, I uh, met Steve Ray online, and I hadn't known him for too long. We were in the Radio Mysterioso uh, Facebook group. He's a really fun, smart guy, and he's like on the younger side for people who are interested in flying saucers and stuff. So I was I, like, I met him down at Paramania. <laughs> Uh, the very first painting Paramania down in Texas. So I, I know I exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I've never, we've never met. We were communicating online and he said, you know, I have this idea. We can try and do an experiment 
on synchronicities. <laughs> this is where you blew the car up, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. I'm sorry. I don't worry. Go ahead. <laughs> Everybody knows that. You blew. Well, I don't know if did you blow it up or catch it on fire or it just caught on fire. <laughs> go <Oops>. ahead. <laughs> oh, That's a fail. Well, well yes and no. It was something to do with. I'm, I'm ruining the story. Go ahead. I remember this. Yeah. One. You were like, do you want to participate in this? And I'm like, nah, I think sit this one out and watch from the sidelines. I already have enough things to deal with on this level. (laughs) So Steve said, we could do this this, uh, experiment. He had the idea. And it was interesting because uh, Jacques Vallée gave some, I don't know, rubber chicken speech over at the IONS uh, Institute for Noetic Sciences over in Petaluma last year. And I listened to it, and he talked about using this type of the exact type of um, strategy that Steve Ray came up with for our experiment, which was, you know, we we only communicated um, with each other via uh, electronic uh, media that would have like a time and date stamp. We never spoke on the phone. We didn't tell anyone else what we were doing for the time of the experiment. And basically, the structure was we would choose a target word for whatever the next um, live show of the Radio Mysterioso was going to be. This is when uh, Greg was broadcasting out of that uh, pirate radio studio still. With the uh, so we police sirens sure. or whatever would come by every every episode. It seemed like a, a siren would come by. Yep, yep. So um, we weren't sure when the next live show would be because, of course, we didn't want to say, hey, Greg. And let him know we were experimenting on it. I can't believe Greg still talks to me. <laughs> he's very nice. Greg's a great guy. Greg is. He's, he really is. He's such a nice guy. He's very He's very wholesome. He's very wonderful. He's a very genuine so, person. That's why I like him a lot. Like when I first yes. met him down in Texas, within minutes, it was, I was, very, I was really intense because he was a big influence on me and I was a big fan of the excluded middle and stuff. And when I finally actually got <laughs> to meet him in person, there's this saying, never meet your heroes because – you don't know what they're going to be like. Oftentimes that Unless is it's true. Greg. Yeah. And when I met Greg, Greg, within a couple of minutes, he was very like, I don't do people with egos very well. And within a couple of minutes, Jack, Greg is a very genuine guy. You know, he's not, there's no, there's no ego to him. There's no, there's, he is what he is. He's a very cool down to earth person. And within minutes mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, okay. This is just like talking to anybody else, which that, that I can deal with on a, a, a real good level. And, um, you know, by the end of the, by the end of Paramania, he's like, yeah, give me a hug, man, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we've, we've still had uh-huh. a friendship since then. So hopefully if I go down to Atlanta, he's pretty much one of the main reasons why I'm going down there just to hang out with him. But anyways, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Atlanta sounds like a lot of fun. I would, that mound sounds good. Plus I'm sure they have all type of exciting birds down there, but I, I flew to Italy this last September and it was just it was really exciting, but it was horrible. My leg would just, it was awful. I spent like literally 60% of the time just like in the hotel room or mm-hmm. bed and breakfast, mm-hmm. not doing anything anyway. So we, we had this thing, we'd choose a target word and for, it was going to be for whatever the next logo was. And then we kind of, uh, use whatever techniques we wanted personally to use to try and focus attention on that to get it to show up in a synchronicity and then we you know uh chat back and forth just about all type of weird stuff whatever we felt but you know work each other up about this so we ended up uh oh the other part of the thing is that steve actually has transcription skills so he listened to the live shows and take notes and then he actually ended up if anyone was interested, we have all of our communication 
And then all his transcripts of the show notes and links to the shows and everything are all up online, which people can go look if they want. It's oh, it's like an overwhelming amount of information, which is kind of nice because every once in a while I'll dig in there. I'll think, oh, my God, why am I talking about soaking my toe? Funny <laughs> 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 But if you want, if there are. Plus, I had a couple of uh, risque synchronicities that happened too. So, oh, geez. But uh, I've got to ask so you this. I got to ask you. What? I'm not expecting you to get specific. You don't have to name names, but do you have moments where you can tell when other people are like having sex or having intimate moments like that? Do you, or, do you have situations like that where you can get inside of people's heads? Does that happen to you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Double woohoo. <laughs> Isn't it weird? <laughs> like, <laughs> if you want, I could. If you want, I could talk about stuff that happened when I was younger. That, yeah. Well, that's that's on you. You don't have to. It's just I know it's an odd question to ask, but no, it's not. And I would. It, okay, I'm gonna try and put this in like a. Uh, High-minded manner. Like, do you know when people are smoking? Does it weird you out? When I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to put it. <laughs> I know no, you no. kind of do. You know. <laughs> well, okay. Let's. You know that time when I was um when I was at the meditation center and I was sitting with Leslie Temple Thurston and I was dating this shaman lady and blah blah all this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So. You know, obviously, when you're putting that much uh, emphasis on that aspect of your life, it will begin to develop. Mm -hmm. So I had, uh, and, you know, part of the thing is that you're, and the other thing is that for me, with the type of protection that I was transmitted from the Tatagatas, you can sense a lot of stuff going on around you and other people's stuff, but it doesn't tear at you or get its its hooks in you, but you'll be aware of it. Yes. So, mm. yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, okay. I'm sorry. So, I can't open. I'm, I gotta laugh. <laughs> no, oh, you're going to be laughing more pretty soon. So I was in my early thirties and doing all this stuff. I was like around a lot of people and I worked at a sign shop. And it was in like kind of a, uh, actually it was right near where Pixar used to, where they started out. It was like a industrial court where you have like those small spaces right next to each other. So I worked for a husband and wife. Anyway, so one night I'm laying there asleep, just minding my own business. All of a sudden I'm woken up like cold, completely awake. And I... I don't know how to describe this sensation, but it's kind of like the feeling of being touched all over, like really quickly and pointlessly, but it's kind of directed at you and it's very sexual. And so I'm laying there just like, uh, but our teacher, Leslie Temple Thurston, she'd always had this thing about you need to develop your own relationship with your higher self or your guides and if you ever have a question, ask them sincerely and then pay attention in the world around you to see what shows up instead of because a lot of people, you know, she was uh, very charismatic. And they'd be like, oh, I want to be just like you and teach me. I'm, a, You know, that whole thing. And she's like, you need to be proactive about finding stuff out for yourself. 
So I'm laying there. <laughs> it's, it's the weirdest thing. I mean, it's like it it'll be up like from a dead sleep, and oh, it's boy. like whoa. Uh, <laughs> yep. Okay. So yeah. Go ahead. Thinking. Okay. And I'm thinking, who are you? Who are you? Who are? You? <laughs> and then it didn't last that long. Because I think, you know, the dream world things resolve quickly. I'm kind of like laying there like, what the Sam Hill? Anyway, so the next day I go to work and I'm trying to pay attention to see if anything shows up. Okay, so on one side of us, we had this guy named Tom, who was about 10, 15 years older than I was at the time. Really tall guy. And he would come over and kind of flirt and ogle me occasionally now and then. But he never really did much. So that day I'm working on something back in the shop. He comes in the front door at the counter and he's just like sitting there staring, like leering with like literally his mouth open, just like, uh, and I'm like, uh Oh, because he was like, I don't know. He's like six, four or something. So then my boss, uh, Joe comes out from the office and he, he, he takes one look at him and he looks at me, he looks back at Tom. He's like, Hey, how's it going? Blah, blah, blah. And hauls him out of there. I'm kind of like, what? That was weird. I thought, well, mm. so then about six weeks later, <laughs> I'm laying there asleep, minding my own business again, I'm waking up, the same type of situation. So again, I'm sitting there like, who are you? <laughs> I swear to people, don't get involved in this stuff if you don't want to find yourself in this. No, don't, <laughs> don't, don't. Yeah. If, 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 you, if you don't do this. <laughs> don't <laughs> no 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 everybody must no they don't everybody must experience no this. they don't D does it go both ways with you D do you find that it that it does go do you understand what i'm saying it's hard to explain i understand what you're saying so it goes well, both ways well, I mean, I'm talking beyond like the little thing that me and you had with the whole fight club thing and blah, blah, blah. Like it, it gets it, it gets weirder sometimes. Right. Oh, yeah. 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 No, I got well, this was weird enough. And the thing was, is the reason that I'm saying is that my my because, of course, when it happened again, the guy who was on the other side came over and uh, later that day and uh, he I was sitting there working in the back, minding my own business. And um my boss and Stan, who was a retired NFL player, had a motorcycle. And he's like, oh, so we were thinking that you could, you know, take a break and get off work early. And then Stan could take you driving out. I'm like, you are 45 years old. Can you ask me out yourself? All I ever want to do is go on a walk and get like frozen yogurt. Hmm. I don't need like my boss and some guy. Oh, geez. But anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> really mortifying, really just like to me, it's like. And those times, I think, you know, then it was I was starting to tumble to what this was about. And, uh, you know, it's happened. It usually only happens like maybe a couple times a year. And, mm -hmm. and I've had a number of other times where I've had, you know, Suddenly, someone who has been kind of background is like, hey, how you doing the next day? And I'm kind of like, well, um, so I don't I mean, there's definite there's different ways that you can approach this. I mean, there's ways that you could try and develop your, you know, psychic shielding and all that type of stuff. Um, for me, 
you know, let's see, you can also take the route of just cutting all this out of your life and becoming completely mundane. That works for a fair amount of people. And it's always a an avenue that you can take if things are starting to spin out of control or get dark. Um, but the path that I have taken, because I've found that it there there was an experience mm. I had where I was, um, and this was when I was kind of on the cusp of. Um, realizing or admitting to myself that yeah I do have this psychic connection with other people I do feel things that aren't from me at times and I just kind of I don't I, I I hear that and I cringe you know I don't I don't yeah it's just it's just I don't know it's, it's like it's like the word UFO you know it, it, it stirs up so much more connotation and things like that so it's that's where people start to lose me because I'm not a believer in psychic phenomena. I just, I just don't for the most part, but, um, but, but you have, have had the experience of knowing when someone else is having sex. I know this is where I know we, we, we talked about My this before the show. Dude, where, that is psychic phenomena. Yeah. But <laughs> see, I've had, no, no, not, not. Yeah. But you know what comes after, but shit, that's what comes after. Yeah, But Lola, you don't believe in any of this stuff either. Most for the most part. Uh, not true. I mean, there's, there's, I've had so many experiences. I don't believe a shark that sits down in front of me and charges me a hundred dollars to tell me what's going on. I have an aunt that sits down in front of me for a cup of tea that I share with her. What's going on. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Go ahead. Here's the thing that I suggest you do Rojan, because I know that you're balking at this psychic thing. You need to get, a couple that you're friendly with and see if you can get them to have sex in a Faraday cage and then see if you can still pick up on it. I've got people, I don't, I don't want this to become too dirty and go in that direction, but too I late. No, it's, it's not, it's not. Cause there's, there's people here. There's people that I just, as I was saying before the show that there's certain things that I just cannot talk about because I just, there's, there's trust that I cannot betray. There's, I just cannot do it in, in any way, shape or form. But there are people out there that even through this show that I have picked things up off of that I barely know at all. And some of them I've become to know very, very well. And there's different things from different people and not everything works the same. It's not one size fits yeah. all. Um, me and Stephanie, me and you have had lots of very funny odd, strange experiences that happen with me and you. It's a regular basis kind of thing where we just kind of chuckle about it. Synchronicity. Yeah. Some people see ghosts. Some people see UFOs. Some people, whatever. Yeah. My thing in life has always been synchronicities. Some mm-hmm. people, it's very intense, uh, almost to an empathic level. I, I'll, sure, I'll say even empathic level. Um, sometimes it bothers me. Sometimes it doesn't. And, um, but there are people. Depends on the per- people in the situation. There are people that that I know that that you that you might know where it's been like all right you had sex and <laughs> or something has happened or something like that. It's like, is there a way that I can tune this off? Cause there's just certain things that you don't want to know. Everybody's like, Oh, it'd be cool. So mm-hmm. cool to be able to No, It's not cool. It's, it's very weird. And sometimes you just don't want to be involved with stuff like that. It's the, my interpretation of this stuff is so much different than everybody else's. It's like, how do I turn this off at times? But there's also been times where it's like, you know, I've talked people off of ledges and stuff like that because I don't have to figure out what's going on. I can just be there for them. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And, you know, it's, there's some very weird things that come out of that sometimes. And, um, it's, it's, it's bugging me right now talking about it because I never, ever talk about it ever because I'm not a woo woo guy. Um, but, um, I would say this, I would say if I were to be a spiritual friend to you, not a guru, but someone who's along a similar path, I would develop your your mindfulness practice, uh, your neutral observer, and your um, sense of selfless service. Also, mental discipline. And, uh, mindfulness practice is good because it helps you access the neutral observer so you can see stuff without getting so caught up in things emotionally. Mm-hmm. And it helps you learn to f- direct, to discipline your attention because it's possible... Yeah, when good luck with something that. starts, <laughs> pardon? I said, good well, luck with that. <laughs> well, that's the thing. You can you can develop it. I mean, I'm a lot better now than I was 30 years ago. Um, but even doing just a little bit every day or every other day, you know, really doing 30 seconds, morning and evening, maybe morning, noon, and night. Well, what do you mean by that? Though? How do I, you know, how, how do I go about doing something like, I mean, it doesn't bother me all the time. There's some people where it's totally cool. Mm-hmm. It doesn't bother me. There's other people that they know they can screw with me with it. And that pisses me off to no end. And it's like I said, yeah, sometimes well, it goes to, it, sometimes it also goes both ways. You know, there's, there's certain things that for me, it's just like, yeah, this happens all the time. This is, this is just, this, this is what my thing is, you know, but people that are outside of it can't understand it. And I've never had a near death experience. I've never, um, I've I've had weird stuff happen to me and I don't know if it's because I attract that kind of stuff, but I've had some very strange paranormal things happen to me. Uh, A few of them I've talked about on this show and on other shows, but I've never gone out to a point where I'm like, I'm special and I know the mystic ways or anything like that. That, that stuff doesn't hold Mm -hmm. any water with me at all. And I'll shut up now. You, well, yeah, I, (laughs) I mean, I really understand what you're saying because it can be overwhelming for me. At times, very much. I mean, much. The, the sex stuff. The sex stuff is, you know, I, I've experienced a lot of that. Well, fortunately, um, that doesn't it, happen very often. It, 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 but it's it's something that you don't. That's a, you don't want to be, you don't want to be there for that. You know, you don't want to, especially if it's something from the outside coming in. It's. It's kind of yeah. like crowds bother Weird. me intensely. Bad crowds me a lot. Uh, to a point where it's okay. like white Rogen. noise. Rogen, 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 I understand that this freaks you out, and believe me, you have every reason to be freaked out. If you want to not have it freak you out in future, if you want to be able to turn it off or tune it down, you're going to have to start taking a different attitude towards your reaction to this. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're you're feeding into it. Uh, I, you're you're associating the situation with negative feelings. It's gonna. It, it's it's not about tuning your vibrations. It's not about. It's it's about mindfulness, self awareness, positioning. Yeah. It, I hate crowds. I hate them. Mm-hmm. I would envision myself every single time. I always look for an escape route. Every building, every yeah. crowd, every situation I go mm-hmm. into, I for an escape route because I know I need to get the fuck out as soon as possible mm-hmm. until I allow myself to be centered and realize 
that the people that are around me, what they're thinking and how they're feeling has no bearing on me unless I allow it to. If I start tapping into everybody around me, that's when I get freaked out. Mm. Yeah, but sometimes it's not a choice. Sometimes it's just... No, it's always a choice. You need to learn how to center. Well, okay. <laughs> you need to I learn mean, how to center. You can shut out the most negative situations. Have you ever, uh, Rojan, have you ever done any yoga? No, I'm far too fat for that. Oh, <laughs> my not God. Too fat. You're not too fat for Savasana. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, I mean, I used to do a lot of nation and stuff like that. The, the other thing is, like, I find that this stuff only bothers me intensely when I'm in periods of liminality. Right now, yep. in the last yeah. couple of months, my life has been in a very strange place. I've had surgery. I'm switching jobs. There's some, yeah. I mean, no bad chaos, but there's chaos in the home right now. And um, I find that when I'm under stressful situations or things are just weird, this stuff tends to push in a little bit more when things are calm and, and calm. But the problem with me in my life is I go through this Doctor Who thing where every couple of years I have this weird tendency to kind of recreate myself in some weird way, shape or form. My marriage and my podcast, the two longest straight going things in my life that haven't had you know, dramatic shifts and stuff like that. Like people who listen to the show for whatever reason, every so many years, I end up getting a different job or something different comes along or something better comes along or what have you. Um, yeah. And in those situations, that's when these things tend to peak out a little bit more. But also I've noticed when other people that I know, and sometimes some people I don't even know are going through weird situations, it tends to ping in on me a lot harder too. And mm -hmm. the whole thing of, you know, I, the whole, the whole psychic thing, again, it just doesn't hold water with me. I've had it explained to me, that it's kind of like a fight or flight response system that everybody can do this to some degree or another. It's just a matter of how open they are to it. And I've been told you're just more open to this kind of stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I guess I, that that tends to hold more water with me than than other things. Um, I've studied this stuff mostly my whole life in one way or another to try to find answers and stuff to it or to try to find a way of, of dealing with it or what have you. And um, I like up until this year, I, I very rarely ever talked about it. It's just it's something that really freaks me out um, with people that I know. It doesn't freak me out so bad. But when I get something from somebody that I hardly know that 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 really it's very strange to me on a lot of different levels. Um, I have an ex-girlfriend that will do this kinds of things to me every once in a while just to screw with me because she thinks it's funny. It's <laughs> so pissed off when she does. But yeah, that's, you know, she's like, yeah, this is funny. And I'm like, no, this is not funny. You know, this is, it's, that's you know, what's funny is I just was discussing this with an old school friend. I don't, I can't remember if we met in junior high or high school, but anyway, um, she has a lot of, uh, premonitions and psychics in back in her family. And I guess her uh, grandfather in Italy was, uh, would hold seances and had this like spiritualist book and stuff. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so uh, my friend and I were talking, and she was talking about the, a very kind of mild experience. It just seems so small. But she was in college, and she was studying in the library. And she just got, she saw this person, a uh, young woman, uh, kind of across the way who was studying. And she just got this idea all of a sudden. She thought, I bet if I focus my mind on her, I can get her to scratch her nose. And so she did. And then the girl kind of scratched her nose and then was kind of looking around. And my friend said she just got this horrible revulsion against what she had done because, you know, imposing your will on someone else and taking those type of liberties with another person. That's rude. It's, just, it's rude and it's, 
it could start a slippery slope. It's funny. I've been reading a lot about um, various types of sex magic. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, if you're gonna want to put this on over here myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, they all sound they all sound terrible. But anyway, these Victorian uh, kind of old fashioned lady sex ma- magicians like uh, Dion Fortune and Idocratic, they go on and on a lot about purity and how. Uh, important it is in these situations uh, to have a pure heart and a disciplined mind. Um, and uh, there's this uh, lady, Idocratic, was wrote a book called Heavenly Bridegrooms about uh, various women throughout history, mythological fig- figures or some historical, who had these relationships with uh, heavenly bridegrooms, these invisible uh, gods or, you know, like uh, the Virgin Mary, uh, there's some uh, Zochi Quetzal from uh, Mayan times. She was impregnated as a virgin. But all these things, but it keeps coming down to purity and the idea that your, that your purity, your own purity of attention will protect you. It's like being in the neutral mind, but with the added uh, factor of just this harmlessness and compassion towards all other beings will save you so even if you have an unpleasant experience it won't damage you and you could possibly see this is the the upside to empathy erosion you've been talking about it a lot here is that it's possible to be helpful to other uh people or animals or beings because you have this understanding and that you also that you have this uh connection on the emotional or informational or whatever level you want to call it that isn't psychic. I'm forgetting it. <laughs> that I word. know. I'm sorry. It's no, it's fine. I understand. It's it's confronting and challenging uh, in our culture because it doesn't acknowledge it. But when you have that type of connection, you can work more intimately with the person to help calm them down or get them to a better place. I do a oh, lot yeah, of. Um, I've, I've done that many times. Yes. And, and that's, that that's is, the side of it that doesn't really bother me too much. It, it's, you know, yeah, I mean, me and Lobo work. were joking recently, like a while ago, we were joking about talking people off of the ledge. And sometimes that's what we're here for. You know, sometimes exactly. that's, you know, it's because I don't, I don't bug people to talk me off of ledges, but if somebody needs me, I, I'm there, you know, mm-hmm. I'll do whatever I got to do to get somebody back to where they need to be again, if they need to. And, and, yeah. job of an and that's the talent and Rogan that shows you, that you can be the leader in those situations, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're getting all this stuff thrown at you, when you see someone who is hurting or who needs your help, then you are you feel comfortable with, you find it within yourself to be able to lead emotionally or uh, psychically or whatever in a way to help bring them along with you to a better place that's that part of you that is leading there is the same part of you that is going to be able to direct your attention away from things that you don't want to deal with and to uh, help you stay yourself centered and in a neutral position um, as you go through your day. Now, there are two exercises. There's various models that you can look at for our kind of uh, systems. Um, one of the classic is mind, body, emotions. Um, the reason I brought up yoga is there's a one pose that everyone can do, no matter what, the corpse pose. And it's basically a progressive muscle relaxation exercise. Oh, I've done that. And many you just times. Like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I've done that. Before. So that quiets. Yeah. 
that quiets the body. Um, mindfulness can help to quiet the mind. If you can quiet the mind and the body, the emotions will follow. That sounds like you a have to. Song. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> That's funny. My brother's a big George Clinton fan. Um, Was it free your free your mind and your ass will follow? <laughs> I think that's the, the George Clinton saying. <clears throat> yeah, there I go destroying it again. <laughs> so, but you have to be able. You have to do these exercises, and you have to do them with the intention that it will help you to achieve this goal. If you just kind of relax your body a lot, but you're not really thinking, okay, I'm doing this to help to bring my whole uh, system to this centered space that I can then. But that uh, sounds be more like magic. You're, now you're breaching into the realms of magic when you start. What's the difference? I I don't know. I guess I don't know. I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a yeah. believer in magic either, though. Even though I've got a million books uh. on it, but. <laughs> <laughs> and it. It, this okay, I. I know you feel like you're I, spinning your wheels with me. I apologize. No, not at, no, not not at all. Not at all. I mean, I really am. I can't tell you how much I empathize with you, and I. It's nice to speak with someone who's had this to this extent. Um, most of my very uh, unpleasant experiences, some have been horrible, have been when I've caught uh, uh, the overflow of whatever you want to call it from people who've been um murdered mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. happened a couple a handful of times and it's never anyone that i knew um i did end up in a couple of instances uh getting some information that i found out later through media was accurate about how things had gone down um but yeah it's i it, it, I would not wish it on anyone. It is horrible. But here's the thing. The most recent time that happened was like about a year or so ago. And I, my experience of it was horrible. But at the same time, I felt that I was able to be part of a larger process to help things not get any worse than they did. And uh, help people cross over. Mostly by crying like a bitch to uh, <laughs> the Virgin Mary, who is a lot better at doing that. I would say it's weird. I'm never, I've never been Christian. I'm not Catholic, but uh, a few times I've had people around who are having a hard time moving through and closing the door, and uh, she's the one. So, but um, yeah, so I, I understand what you're dealing with, and I'm not making light of it. I'm just saying this is oh, what yeah, I feel. To, I, this is what I found to be effective. I, I can't, I can't tell you anything else besides what I know. Now I would say, if you try it, it's not something that's going to be harmful to you. Um, the only thing that could happen is it might um, completely shatter whatever paradigm you're living under currently. But other than that, it's, it's no big deal. <laughs> well, let me ask you one more question because we've we've gone over an hour now. We usually wrap it up within an hour, but. Is anybody else in your family? I don't have anywhere to be. Okay. Well, usually you got to be out of here at a certain point or whatever. Not <laughs> today, son. Oh, great. <laughs> You're like, no, I'm going to eat the popcorn and sit back and listen to you two. <laughs> Thanks. I'm enjoying my polar. Um, do, do you have other members of your family that have been able to do that stuff? Is it a hereditary thing with you? I 
don't necessarily think so, but it turns out that uh, my mom's mom was, uh, we had the Ouija board out <laughs> constantly. She died when I was three and I really loved, loved her, but um, I guess she was always on the Ouija. And oh, he's on the so I'm real. Which I just found out recently. But I've actually a number of um, my good friends uh, throughout life have been in, involved in this type of stuff or had these type of experiences. Um, and uh, yeah, I. it's funny when you talk about the, this whole empathy thing. Um, I have a friend. Actually, I'm wearing a shirt that she just gave me. Thank you, Patty. Um, and she talked about, you know, she's had very similar experiences. And I was like, how did you know? And she's like, you know, at a certain point, it's just, it becomes really obvious that you're experiencing something, an emotion or whatever. And it's, there's no way it's coming from you. And it's very obviously from someone else. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I've been around my wife before my wife, me and my wife never talk about it. She knows that there's something odd about me. She's come from a very Christian um, Pentecostal uh, background. And then mm -hmm. she met me and uh, her world was very structured in a certain way. And then I come along in, your world. in some <laughs> weird way. And she's watched me. Yeah. Um, she's what kind of freak out quite a few times. Um, mm -hmm. She's seen me in crowds pretty much lose it before. Um, it used to weird her out really bad. She's gotten to a point now where she just kind of accepts it. And we'll even joke about it to a certain extent, but we don't talk about it. But um, she's, she's seen me lose my shit a couple of times. And like, she's watched me where she's like, okay, something's wrong with like recently I was in Vegas and it started happening there. Fortunately I'd had a little bit of alcohol in me. So it kind of dumbed it down a little bit, but the crowd thing is, as I get older, you know what's about that? Cause you just asked about my family and my dad, he had one instance of telepathy when he was working on a turkey farm in Fresno in the late 50s with another guy. But the thing is, he's always had a hard time, in, a really hard time in crowds. Yeah, it's, really, it's yeah. very, it's very, it's it's a lot like being around white noise for the most part. Um, it's like, I, I can, if I know I'm going into it, like I, I, if I go to a sports event or something like that, or a concert, it's not that big of a mm -hmm. deal, you know, but when people are moving and they just stop and I'm sitting somewhere and I can't move or something like that, it's, yeah. it's a very congestive, it's like being around a wall white noise and it just builds. And, uh, it happened at Disney once my wife's like, all right, we got to get your dad out of here. You know, and because I was like, I, I yeah. gotta go, I gotta get out of here right now. I always just assumed it was kind of a claustrophobia kind of thing, but you know, it's, it's, it feels very similar to it, but, um, as I've got older, I've become more and more able to deal with that. If I know I'm going into a situation, I deal with it a little bit better. Like even after, like if I go to a hockey game or something, I got to wait or after a concert, I got to wait until the place clears out a little bit before I can like head out and do my thing. If they're forced yep. to move, like you got to move, you got to go now. All right. As long as everybody's moving in one singular direction, everybody's concentrating on, I need to get to the door. I need to get out of the building or whatever. That's fine. But when situations stop, it's like, I got to go. I got to get out of here right now. And my wife has seen me. She's seen me do some weird stuff or whatever. And she's, you know, I just say, I just say, yeah, I'm weird. You know, <laughs> or she asked me about it. I go, yeah, I'm weird. And I got another friend now and she's like, yeah, I'm weird too. <laughs> and we just kind of <laughs> joke about it. But, um, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it, it, it's just when you get outside sources that are coming from something that you're unfamiliar with and you know, it's not coming from you. 
that's that's kind of a disturbing thing or what have you. So, but I was asking if it if it passes through in the family and stuff because I had another member of my family that um, they ended up kind of going nuts from it. Um, where oh it's, it's a if it's a, if it's a generational thing that passes down or if other people in your mm-hmm. family have had it to varying degrees, because I've talked to other people and they've said, yeah, it's, it's, you know, my mom had it. It seems to be more prevalent in females than it is with men for some reason. I don't know yeah. if it's just because uh, I don't want to see the emotional nature of females. It makes it sound like females are emotional, but females process emotions on a different level than males do. And there's a weird well, George Hansen. What George Hansen would say is because females are more status than men and no, paranormal I, tends to be associated with low status. I, I disagree with that completely. I think females are are. I don't want to say they're, they're. I don't want to say they're more emotional, but they process emotions on a different level than men do. That might be because of programming and stuff like that. But I've also had situations where gay men. Have, I've no. I have gay friends that have had similar situations like this, and they tend to process things like this more along the female lines than the way males do. Because mm-hmm. um, males are always you know be strong. What's that? Is it is it that they're processing them differently, or, or we're fight a line of shit as males that we're not supposed to have those? That's feelings. where I was going to with next, because men are always yep. <laughs> raised to be, you know, don't show emotions, be strong, grow a set of balls, blah blah, blah you know. And I, I was raised by my mom. I, I was raised in a single family home, See? so you know, it's a different situation for me. But I, you know, mm. these are just hypotheticals that I'm throwing out there. I haven't really put a peg on or anything like that. I've just been looking for strings of thread to pull on my whole life with it. I think there's a lot of different factors that come into it that, and there's, you know, with different people, I think it can come down to, to different things, but I have found that there, you know, when you start talking around to people and I'm sure you've found the same thing, these type of experiences are incredibly common. Um, and to people who are willing to talk about them, like recently through the show, I've met a lot of people that have given me very similar advice to you. Um, Mm -hmm. there's a friend of mine that lives out in Vegas and, and, you know, she's given me a lot of words of wisdom and things like that and keep me a little bit straight. Cause really I didn't have anybody to talk to about this my whole life. And and even for the whole time that we've been doing this show up until very recently, I've never talked about this stuff. This is the first time I've ever talked about this stuff on the air and it will probably be the last, but I've never had anybody talk about this (laughs) stuff because as I told you off the air, if it were me talking to me, I would say I was full of shit, you know, (laughs) there's no way to put it. You know, there's just nothing, there's no other, there's no other thing, there's no other way that I can compare it to. And then when people bring up the whole psychic thing, then it really turns me off because I'm not into that at all. Like, even though things have happened to us and I've seen things, there is a very hard line of skepticism in me. And I'm always teetering on that edge as to what side that I fall in. And I often struggle with that. Am I a believer or am I a skeptic? At what point is something bullshit? At what point is something real? When people ask me, do you believe in UFOs? Do you believe in all this stuff? Or do you think it's all bullshit? And I just got to say, I don't quite know where I lie in all of this. And it's one of those battles that I've always been fighting for years. Where do I fit in all of this? And then I'll see Mm -hmm. or have something happen to me that pulls me in one direction. And then I'll read a bunch of gobbledygook that pulls me into the other direction. And I'm always fighting with, well, this happens to you and you have had this happen to you. But the critical thinking analytical side of me says, no, this, no, you're, you're reading into something. Maybe you're just very intuitive with people. Maybe you're very good at reading people how they are. This is what detectives do. So I'm on this forever battle back and forth. And it's a dichotomy that I fight all the time. Yeah, that's where the uh, neutral uh, observer neutrality practice comes in, because you can experience all these 
experiences, you can read different things, you can do research, uh, talk to people. And as Lobo was saying, you can center yourself so that you're not feeling pulled in different directions. You can center yourself and then you can expand that center to incorporate all this without feeling pulled Mm -hmm. and torn and bouncing back and forth. You're also able to experience all these things without feeling like you have to make a judgment and figure out where you can and you got to figure it out. You can just experience it and then let the insight uh, arise naturally in time. Mm-hmm. See, that's the thing. I, I, See, I often do feel I have to make a judgment or fit in. I'm sorry, Lobo. Go ahead. No, you, you don't. That's. But I feel that. Here's way. the thing. That's part of the reason yeah, we do I, the show. I understand. There's, there's no... <laughs> Over the years, we've been doing this now for eight years. We passed the eight-year mark. Every single time we've had a discussion off the air after people have been on, I've said one thing every single time when it's come down to this. I always said, there's no black, there's no white, everything is gray. <clears throat> but likewise, me and you have we had discussions where— the gray. Yeah, but me and you have had discussions about certain guests and we'll say, do we want this person on the show? And we'll say, no, this person's yes. full of shit. We don't want to have this person on the but show. But there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. It doesn't matter whether you believe what they're saying, what I believe what they're saying. And it, I'm not going to use the hokey line with they, they believe what they're saying. The oh, reason why we, te- we when we have this discussion, we don't want to have them on, it's because we don't believe what they're saying. Mm-hmm. It matters not if they believe what they're saying. When you sit in a church and you listen to a preacher talk about all the things that they've learned throughout their years of being a pastor of a church or whatever it is, they believe they've done good. And in the same breath, I know people that have sexually abused children, that have been horrible to their wives, that have turned people away. They believe what they're doing is right. They believe themselves. Mm-hmm. I'll sit in that same church and go, you know what? Those orchids are really nice or those lilies are beautiful. The paint needs to be fixed. I love what they did with these windows here. I appreciate being in the situation, listening to the message, not focusing on the messenger. The information that comes to us is the message. However it comes, it's the message. Who brings it is what turns us on whether or not we want to believe what's going on. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that's why we mean you started doing the show because we wanted to learn new stuff. Yeah, so. absolutely. And we want to be able to help people that are listening to our show. And if someone goes, hey, I want to talk about how gummy bears can be sexualized. I'll be like, maybe not for the show. I'll talk to you in person about it. <laughs> Come on. That. We, we <laughs> would talk about that. <laughs> no. All right. Maybe that was a bad example. But you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we would talk about that sticking cola in your ass i mean that would probably not be a good show well <laughs> again all right maybe a bad example as long as people you know what I'm the saying. goal here as long as people learn something new when they walk away from it and have a good time exactly so. <laughs> if it's good lord i never want to deal with that again yes. they learn something uh, well stuff um We've had you on an hour and a half, which is uh, long for us lately. We haven't had a long show with with, a, with both of us together with a guest like this for quite some time. I do appreciate you trying to talk some sense into my head in a strange, oh. weird, sensical topic. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, because I don't have like a ton. I mean, 
I it's funny because in the last I don't know year or so I don't know anyway I've been on some podcasts and talked to people and and you know they're always interested in my near death experience I don't think I've told it to anyone maybe five times before in my life I mean one time I was this was years prior I don't know about. 17 or more years ago, 20 years, I uh, was at uh, Christmas Eve dinner at my dad's house with a bunch of the family and, and t- there. But I mean, I just never talked to people about a lot of this stuff because a lot of people, they aren't that interested. It's just not their passion. Mm-hmm. They're not made that mm-hmm. way. So it's fascinating to be able to talk to someone who's who's grappled with it as well. Um, so I, I appreciate it too. It's And it's not, I mean, it's, you know, it's how you're going to view your life and your approach to things. I have to say one thing is it sounds like your life is really wonderful for you to have that stability and to not feel I just don't that think it's she, someone there. I don't think she knows how to process it on, a, on the level. Yeah. Like, like me and her, we don't ever talk about, like she's never listened to my show at all. I think she's heard mm-hmm. me record it a couple of times and she has, because she says I turn into a different person when I do the show. But there's a lot mm-hmm. of things that have happened to me that she doesn't know about or we just don't discuss because her reality is a very different reality than mine. And Tony will give like about two of, I mean, I've had all type of freaky weird experiences and he'll, he'll give me my near death experience. And one time we uh, kind of saw a grinning man thing, uh, grinning man guy mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. up in the Sierras. We were driving together and it was like one of the thing where we're, we're driving past to see this guy is standing there kind of like baring his teeth at us. He looked like an Indian guy from the area, Chipchansi. Mm-hmm. And we're driving on this road and it's the shortest way to get where we're going and the other ways are a lot longer and we get to the other end of the road into North Fork. Um, the same guy is there and no cars have overtaken us. We only saw one cars going the other direction. So it's like, is it like two twins that have a very weird sense of humor pranking us or what? So that in my near death, other than that, he's like, push it. <laughs> well, fortunately I haven't had anything weird happen around my wife. I, I've got this, yeah. I've got this belief that certain people just can't be affected by this kind of stuff. They're just outside of that realm of things. And some of these people, this is yeah. where skeptics come from. So it's kind of nice, like, being around that and knowing that, you know, nothing really are we're very bizarre things don't happen to me. Well, I guess that's subjective compared to what we've talked to tonight, but <laughs> like, I, I don't see, I don't see a lot of strange stuff or anything like that around my wife. I've had, and it's kind of nice mm. to have that buffer around. Cause I really don't want to, you know, when people are like, well, if you poke at the paranormal, it pokes back. I don't poke it. I don't want to poke it. I don't want it. There's a lot that I don't want to deal with because what I have experienced mm. just the little stuff that I have is, is, pretty it tweaks your perception of things and it tweaks you out pretty much and i don't i don't want to go too far into that but by the same token here i am doing a podcast about this kind of stuff (laughs) so again there again lies the dichotomy (laughs) you know what i love about this conversation is for years i thought you know this whole sex sensing thing i thought you know like you hear these ladies talking about oh no sex and blah 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 and everyone is just you know, calling them, you know, nymphomaniacal nut cases and stuff. And I'm thinking, I have a good idea what they're experiencing. Well, there is. And it, if I had, if I wasn't a chicken shit, I would think about it. Yeah, it's, it's one of those, it's, it's one of the, 
it's one of your most freest open moments when you're when you're doing that. You know, it's a totally different. It's it's almost I like to use the word consciousness because that's another thing I don't like to debate is consciousness. It's it's one of those subjects that loses me. But it's a, it, you're in a different state of consciousness at that point. You know, it's a yeah. totally different yeah. state of mind, and that's. That's why sex magic is a thing, you know, it's, it's cause it's, a, call it what you will energy, call it whatever. It has lots of different variations. It's very much a mental thing. So like when, when you, when you know, somebody's horny or something like that, I hate to put it that way. It's, it's a different state, you know, I don't know how else to put it. I'm trying to be weird, but <laughs> it's the only thing that creates life. Yeah. It's one of, it's exactly, I mean, there, it's so many different things, you know, and I mean, the closest you're going to get to it is a runner's high or something like that. You know, there's a reason. Not as close. Well, yeah, but it's the closest you're going to get to. Well, Especially when you, blow, you know what you're not going to do? You're not going to blow your anchor out shagging someone. What? Wait. <laughs> you're going you know, to blow your ankle out. I thought you said anchor. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> Me too. <laughs> no, you're not going to blow your ankle out well, shagging someone. I would, I would debate that. No, you're not. You're, you're not. You're doing it wrong. Yeah. That depends. <laughs> you're doing it wrong. Lobo has spoken. maybe if you've got a sex swing. <laughs> but anyways, wow. um, so yeah, I mean, you know, I don't have that kind of apparatus. Yeah, here. whatever. Um, yeah, we could talk about no. a lot of stuff for for a while. I mean, it's sex. Sex is one of those things. It's just you know, it's. I could totally see why people can, that things are tied to that, that people draw out of it. But likewise, depression, um, there's all kinds of different states of mind mm -hmm. that, that transmit on different levels. Um, exactly. It's just sometimes things get through that it's like, I really don't want to know that, you know? <laughs> but you do. Yep. Oh, yeah. But, uh, oh, geez. You know, fortunately, yeah. it doesn't happen all the time, but it's just in the last couple of months of a lot of different things from a lot of different directions have been coming in. Some of them I'm fine with. Some of them are a little weird, but you know, it, it again, it'll, mm. it'll, once things calm down, it'll go back to its normal state again for whatever it is, you know? And it's, I don't know. Every once in a while, it's like, God, I wish I could just turn this off for a little bit, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, it's possible I believe, and I've found in my experience, to uh, get into a better relationship with this. But it does take the intention, and you do have to have a certain amount of uh, practice, mm -hmm. however that unfolds. It doesn't have to be, you know, sitting with incense burning in front of a tonka and visualizing 8 million things. I mean, you just sit down and do mindfulness at your desk for 30 seconds. But, you know, you have to give a certain amount of attention and intention to developing a, a more skillful relationship with these uh, talents that you have. Okay, sure. <laughs> we'll, we'll get right yeah, on that. <laughs> I wish there was a, a happy, you know, wand or whatever. It's just... Yeah, it's but, like losing weight. You have to want to lose weight. You have to not want to eat the box of Twinkies. <laughs> I don't know, yeah. man. I lost a lot of weight when I almost died. So... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got it all back. I'm losing it again, but I got it all back. <laughs> well, Steph, um, we're going to let you go again. If you want to put your blog out there where people can find you, you know, go right ahead. Or if there's anything you want to push going out there and throw it out there. Uh, let's see. I'm on Facebook at Stephanie quick. It's just Q U I C K. Um, and Stephanie quick at a WordPress blog. And the name of the blog is ghost dog is a mystery box. And I'm on Twitter. It's wandering britches, but it's spelled weird. So like I can't remember how. 
Yeah, with a Z on the end or some. I don't know why I spelled it that way. On our Facebook page too. You're also in Radio Mysteriosos. You're in a lot of different groups. So. Oh yeah, I'm in a billion groups. We run in the same circles. Recently, yeah, and also there's been a mushroom identification group that's been really exciting the last month because we've been having a lot of mushrooms here. So. Since. I love mushrooms. I love was in nature for it, oh, right? You have no idea. Oh, yeah. You have no idea. Yep. I have a little bit of it. Lobo's the nature boy. He is the magic, kind of the background magic go-to guy, uh, which oddly enough, I really don't go to him for much magic stuff. Um, nope. Probably because I've got a, a library of my own that's steadily growing. But um, I've learned I've learned most of my things without the process of books. It was really nice talking to you oh, both. Great. And I Thanks, was so Steph. excited Lobo was here too. Having you on the show, Wee. this was a lot of fun, if, if, if somewhat <laughs> odd for me. <laughs> <laughs> You should feel happy that you were able to drag this out of me because nobody does. <laughs> this was great. This is this. I never do these kinds of shows ever. I never talk about myself on these shows ever. I never say I've, never because never yeah. is forever and nobody lives yeah, that long. Well, <laughs> so thank you very much, sweetheart. Uh, we'll talk to you again sometime, I'm sure. That was absolutely one of the strangest interviews I've ever done, for me at least. <laughs> Probably. Uh, so anyways, yeah, that's that's my dirty little secret, everybody. Take with it as you like. Probably be the last time you hear me discuss it on the show. I really wasn't expecting it to go quite that way, but she's one of those people that, you know, it was like, all right, I'm just going to start asking questions here. And you're sending me texts like, you're a dirty old man. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, wait, hold on. <laughs> but I'm glad we finally got her on here. I have a feeling that she's somebody that we'll be tapping back into in the future. Oh, I love her. I yeah. absolutely adore her. Yeah, she's really cool. She's, like I said, she's a wonderfully whimsical person. Um, I, I, yeah. And she, she always puts a smile. I still have a picture she posted of herself. I still have it in my phone. I can't believe she's been with us that long. Like she's yeah. one of the original listeners. Like I just can't no believe tea. that she. That we, we don't. I don't know how many of those people we have out. There. I know that. I know you guys are out there. I know you. We um, have original listeners. There's like twelve or thirteen that I know of. Yeah. You know, I know there's people that are out there listening to us since day one, and and a lot of those people we've become very good friends with. You know, yeah, they've stuck absolutely. with us for the years and. You know, they they were there when the Facebook page started and stuff. Um, so it's, you know, but when, when they still, when I meet somebody new that's like, or relatively new, that's like, oh yeah, I've been listening to you guys since the very beginning. You know, I've been there since mm-hmm. the start. And it's like, wow, I thought, I thought I found all of you people. <laughs> it's equally cool when we get new people that pop up and actually become social and join the group and join the Facebook page and, you know, really talk stuff like that as well. But to find old school people that are out there, it's like, wow, you know, it's, it's, it's neat, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, moving on, um, a little while ago, I posted this picture of what I thought was a fake book that it was called Bluff Bluff Your Way in the Occult, and it has a picture of a skull in the middle of it with a bunch of candles around it. And, like, every time you one of these occult things or whatever, they and you've got this model. It's always got the plastic model of the skull, and you can tell it's that model because the top of the skull comes off. And every time you see, you know, well, I'm sure they're going to use, like, a real skull, duh, but still, 
it's like, really, can you not use the real skull? But anyways, I mean, can you use a real skull? But anyhow, um, <laughs> a listener that I ran into on Twitter, I don't know their real name, but they lived in the UK. I posted the picture, Bluff Your Way Into the Occult, on our Facebook page. And there's a couple of other groups out on Facebook that, I, that I'm part of that I kind of run in secret that I'm that I'm associated with that I don't, you know, I don't say that I'm part of this group or whatever, but I run them from the backgrounds and I posted it there and then I posted it on, and somebody up on Twitter, one of our Twitter followers was like, oh yeah, I've got that book. And I'm like, no, you don't. This book isn't real. This is a meme that somebody created. It's one of those fake books like Elvis versus Cthulhu or something like that, you know? And they're like, no, I've got this book. And if you want it, you can have it. And I'm like, what? So I go out and do a search on it. Turns out this book is going for like, it's very rare. Um, and it's like going for 60, 70 bucks or something like that. And this guy's like, yeah, I'll mail it to you. You can, I'll totally give it to you. And then I find out the guy's located over in the UK and I'm like, what? So this book comes in, it's a book. It's not very thick at all. It's maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe a half inch, just, just under a quarter of an inch thick. It's a little tiny, like little pocket book. And it's sure. all about how to bullshit your way with people that are into the occult. So you can like, oh, yeah, let's talk about magic and blah, blah, blah. And it's it's kind of funny. You know, it's going to go on. I'm never going to get rid of this. I don't care how much it's worth. The original. Yeah, it's got a dollar ninety nine pounds on the or a dollar a dollar ninety nine pounds or whatever. However you say it on the back of it. Yeah, it's, it's right. So uh, one pound ninety nine. Yeah. One pound ninety nine. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm American. I don't know how to how to mark. It's American. so. Yeah, but you're more um, you're more educated and, and and more cultured than I am. You're like you're like you're like a really yeah, expensive I got all sour cream. Fucking shoe. Yeah, you're like you're like large curd cottage cheese, whereas I'm like yeast infection cottage cheese. But um, <laughs> so I'm gonna toss this over with my nice little collection of magic and occult books and stuff. Me and my daughter were talking today. Like my brother-in-law, my other side of the family is very very religious, and they have no idea. And we were talking today. We're like, my daughter's like, you know, you should just start leaving some of these books laying around the house or whatever. So when <laughs> yeah. he comes over, like he won't come over again. You'll, you'll like freak out. So awesome. yeah, it, it's, it's a thing. It's funny. So anyways, so yeah, that happened. You know, that was, I actually got this in the mail. It's, it's pretty damn, it's a nice little thing to have laying around. I'm, I'm going to cherish it and value it. It's one of these books that I know I'm not going to get rid of. So, you know. Um, Paramania is coming up. I, I think I'm going to go. I've been back and forth if I want to, but Kutch has really been like, you really should go. You really should go. So if I can, if I can manage to book a room down there or whatever, I think I'm going to drive down there. It's a 12 hour drive from Detroit to Atlanta. Yep. It's like, oh, like the other thing is, this is the other thing I'm kind of not sure. Cause I still want to come out and see you. I'm going to try to come out at some point or another. I'm going to go out. Probably go to Soraya, go out and see Soraya because he's on the way. I'll probably go on Where Did the Road Go Again. And Gwendolyn, who's another friend of ours, she's talking about coming up and we're talking about both going on there. And then from your, from, from Soraya's place, it's like a six hour drive or four hour drive. Yeah, it's four hour drive to you. And yep. it's like, can I take both of these times off? Do I have money to do it? But money's okay right now. We're, we're sitting kind of good. So I'm, I'm kicking around that idea, but it's a matter of when I'm coming out to your place and I'm aiming somewhere around july or august but i don't know what your schedule is like in july or august so you know <laughs> it's one of those things that we're gonna have to toss together somehow because i haven't been out to you in almost five years now it's it's been yeah it's been a while yeah, it's been damn near been five years since since i've been out to your place and since we've seen each other in person and hung out together after last week um the guest that was on saying oh yeah i work at the new york public library you really should come down sometime i'll, I'll get you into those mm -hmm. back rooms if you want and i'm like ooh. 
Oh, New York is not yeah, a dude, city. That, the New York library is not like any public library, dude. No. Well, like, I don't like big cities and congestion. Because when I was in New York, I'm like, this is a city I could never visit again. I'm perfectly happy with. But Until it's like, you find out what's there. You could take a train in. I don't have to drive. Yep. It's like, yep. hmm, man. It's it's like, you know, to be able to walk down a hallway and see ancient tomes and like, you know, that mm-hmm. would just be so damn cool to be able to do that. Yep. So <clears throat> anyways, um, there was other stuff that I was going to talk about, but I can't for the life of me remember what it is right now at all. <laughs> Old age sucks, man. <laughs> no, I'm just wound up right now from that interview. Yeah. Trip. What's really uncomfortable for me to talk about that? Good. It's good to be knocked out of your comfort zone. Yeah, it's easy for you to say. <laughs> I get knocked out of it all the time, man. I'm like, uh, okay, we got to call this to a close. I can't keep doing this. And you're like, breathe, breathe, <laughs> breathe. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, dude, breathe. I can hear it. You're going you're gonna to breathe, man. <laughs> but, uh, oh, yeah, you got your coffee cup from uh, Beasts of Britain. Yeah, dude, I love it. Yeah, he, he was good like... Stuff. He's like, I'm going to send you guys a coffee mug because I love you guys and you're great and you've really taken care of me. And this isn't really the way that I talk because no, God, no, my Lord. accent is I nothing like this. Right now so you can send a voicemail <laughs> and tear you a new one. But we got this coffee mug with all these different cryptids and stuff on it. It was pretty cool. Yeah, but um, it's really it's neat. It's it's cool. I've got this growing collection of coffee mugs now. Same. Yeah, I've I've and, I still and, have never used the one you got me to in the bottom of it. Oh, really? I'm terrified to use it. How can you stir anything in it? You can't exactly. put sugar in it and stir it up. Creamer, and I'm not a liquid creamer fan. Oh, really? Yeah. Dude, really? I use... That's all I can use. What? That's, I That's can only, what my wife uses. I can only use liquid creamer. The oh. problem would be putting the sugar. See, I have to have sugar. I have to have coffee. It has to be French vanilla. Or, oh my God! No, I'm I'm real I'm I'm real sissy about this. Just, yeah, at least she drinks French vanilla. I, I drink French vanilla. I got to put a little bit more sugar in it, and then I also add vanilla cream to it to enhance the vanillaness oh of the vanilla. God. I know, I know, dude, I know. It's my dude, problem. Dude, I heard you like vanilla, so we vanilla your, your vanilla, vanilla. <laughs> so you can have more vanilla while you're vanillaing. Yeah, oh exactly. Hey, I'm upfront. I'm honest about it. It's my yeah, thing. Dude, I drink blueberry coffee at at Dunkin' Donuts and hazelnut and coconut, but I don't. When I'm home, it's Bustel black coffee with powdered creamer and either two sugar cubes or two teaspoons of sugar. That's it. I haven't heard you on a caffeine binge in a long time. I drink coffee every day. I haven't been, I haven't had like, you know, heart racing coffee in a while. What was the episode you were, it was in the outtakes. You were flipping out really bad. You were drinking. <laughs> I don't remember. I, drank, I drank so much coffee that day. Dude, you were Dude, talking. I drank like a pie and a half of freaking Bustello and I had freaking Moxies and there was something else was, you were drinking too. Cause you were just, oh. you were like, you were like, uh, uh, uh oh, an on auctioneer on, a, on crack. Time. Yeah, you were going to town. I didn't have a heart attack. It's been a long time since we've had Hyper Squirrel Lobo on the show. Yeah, that's not that. The Hyper Squirrel Lobo has been put away for a while. (laughs) Not doing that anymore. All set. I don't have that much caffeine anymore. I have caffeine in the morning when I get up, which is usually like a can of Pepsi Max. Tonight I've had caffeine. Drink in the morning. Yeah. Sometime after coffee. Get up and drink soda in the morning. Yes, I do. I do. Yep. You are a child. Yes. <laughs> and I just found out that the bulk food store around the corner from me, somebody posted a picture of this on Facebook too. They sell just the marshmallows oh, from yeah, dude, I saw that. Yeah. You are a child. No, I'm not gonna buy that. I'm not gonna buy that dude, kind of I stuff. 
stand marshmallows in cereal. I can't. I, no, nope. Yeah. I don't like cereal. So I'm not a Lucky Charm. I don't. I, I the marsh, but the Lucky Charms themselves. Uh, no, I mean the marshmallows are whatever. But those are the same ones that you go to Seven Eleven and you put in your coffee that aren't really marshmallows. They're just hardened like chalk, marble tasting things. Yeah, that's them. Yeah, um, they also have, which is really cool at the Bach Food Store. Um, not at all paranormal in any way whatsoever, but they sell just the, um, the Kraft macaroni and cheese. They sell just the cheese mix by itself. <gasps> Do they? Yeah. In bulk. Yep. I need that. I need that in my life. I could, I could probably get some and mail it to you. I can probably yeah. buy a, I'm going to be mailing a strange yellow like powder to you in the mail. <laughs> about it. Yeah, I could probably get you some of that and mail it out to you. They also have chocolate-covered sunflower seeds. Um, they, this bulk food store has got the coolest stuff. They've been there for probably 30 years. Not a fan of the years. chocolate uh, sunflower seeds. Oh, I love them. I, I love them. too many of them. Yeah, I can't eat a whole bunch of them at a time either. They've got uh, chocolate velvet-covered ch- cherries there. they got sea foam there. You know what sea foam love is? Those. Sea foam is like this weird caramel-like hard candy ch- covered chocolate, and they're like one-inch by one-inch squares. Why am I fat? Why am I fat, Lobo? Oh, next <laughs> This is where Aaron <laughs> puts a post up, complains about being fat as he drinks another new beverage or cries some new consumable on the show. <laughs> That's great. He always posts this kind of shit and calls me out. <laughs> well, you know, I did. I have been eating like I <sighs> eating salads lately. I went to. I went and picked up a bunch of aquariums. A, uh, a friend of mine, her grandmother passed away, and she had a bunch of aquariums. Uh-huh. She suffered from dementia, and she would buy stuff, and she'd forget she had it. And So I went, and I helped her. I cleaned out a bunch of the stuff, and I brought it home. Well, she was also somewhat of a prepper, so I ended up with a bunch of dehydrated and freeze-dried fruits. Foods. Fo- wow, that's easy yeah. for me to uh-huh. say. Uh-huh. Foods. Uh-huh. I have been eating the freeze-dried peaches and apples and banana chips and oh, I love banana chips. strawberries. Apple chips are awesome, too. Like, for breakfast the other day, I had half a bag of diced freeze-dried apples and a slice of cheese. Yeah. I had sushi <laughs> and grapes coffee. for lunch yesterday. You had what? Sushi and grapes. Dude, what? That's what you do. What do you mean? I had sushi and grapes. Sushi and grapes. Your colon must eat you. No, I I have no problem with sushi. This was not sushi. This was like cooked shrimp. And um, oh, so it's a sheep. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't actually raw sushi. I'm I'm getting a little bit weirder about eating the raw sushi fish nowadays. Ah, dude, I don't. Where I come from, that's called bait. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, yeah, that was what I did for lunch. It was awesome. Loved it. All right, we're babbling. We're done. Yeah, I think we got what? I think I think we've got two more shows and then we're going to take either a one week break or a two week break coming up yep. or something like that. But I know the next two shows are are pretty much in the can. Next week's I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, same. Really Don't looking forward. No, I'm not going to say anything because it's somebody we love having on the show and Yeah, he's a solid dude. Yeah, very solid guy, and he's he's been out of the paranormal for quite some time. Well, sort of. He has and he hasn't. But yeah, he has been. And well, he he still does interviews and stuff. But we're we'll talk. We'll, you'll yeah, figure yeah. it out in a week. Next week, it's friend of the Tune show. Next week. Lots of fun when we have him on. We're coming up in episode three hundred. I don't know what yeah. to do. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, for two hundred, we had Stan Austin Freeman, and isn't he dead? Stan Freeman? No, he's not dead yet. No, he, he just retired. He just retired. I think he did one or two more interviews after us, which kind of bummed me out because I would have liked to have had the last one. But we definitely had the most unique one with him. Yeah, absolutely. So I still get people today saying, dude, your interview with Stan was so great. And I was like, yeah. we, See? Yeah. 
I know we've done good shows. I'm saying our show's bad. We, we've done some really good shows. Yeah. We've done some really bad shows. Yeah. Yeah, we have. But Aaron loves all of them. He's a strange fellow. Yeah. It's really weird when you get the one guy that says, give me the thumb drive and I will listen to all of them. And they do. And you're like, what? Yeah. And like can quote the stuff. He's our living archive yeah. at this point. It's funny. We can say, on what episode did this happen? And he'll be like, hold on. Click, 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 click. tells us. And it's this right here. It's right. Because when I had to go back and do the outtake, I had to use him to go find certain outtakes. It's okay. I mean, we got super fans. I love it. It's great. Yeah. It's awesome. So I played that Palpatine thing for a guy I work with and he lost his mind. Mm-hmm. He's like, I, you did this? This was a thing? I'm like, yeah, sort of. That's how we've evolved, because we don't do that kind of stuff anymore, I don't think. That's because I get yelled at. By who? Yo, stop making me laugh. No. Well, in certain shows, it's fine, but we haven't done a show like that in a long time. Well. It's been a little while since we've done a ramble cast again anyways. I, I got a feeling we'll end up doing one here in a little while, because every once in a while we have to just for comedic, just so we don't lose our minds. <laughs> so. Well, speak for yourself. Mine's long gone. <laughs> All right, let's call it a night because uh, okay. I've got stuff to do and I got editing and all that junk to put this show together. So that's it. This is Rojan from Detroit. This is Lobo from Connecticut. Remember, hot dogs are our friends. Birds be rocks. And birds. Birds, folks. Birds. Birds are our friends. Peace, folks. Bye. What in God's holy name are you blathering about?
I'm afraid to now. Well, you might like it since I liked the blueberry and you didn't. No, it, I like blueberry. You're damning me to the seven rings of hell because you don't like my variety and no, Coke you flavors. You don't get the whole thing. Would you like to show me on the doll where the evil can of Coke touched you? I would. <laughs> I didn't see. Hi, Steph. How are you? I don't want to interrupt anything between you two here. Lovers quarrel. <laughs> Sit down. All right, let me uh, wrap this Red Wings blanket around my, my legs here because it's Michigan and it's cold. <sighs> All right. I was thinking of you guys a couple days ago because I was out walking. I like to walk kind of like twilight. And so I was out walking in the valley here and it was really cold and there was this wind and I was just freezing and everything. And I had this huge like down jacket that I got from L.L. Bean. It's like this big parka with. Anyway, I got home. I'm like, oh, geez, this is terrible. And I saw it was like 50 degrees. And I, mm. I thought, I know a lot of people that would want to strangle me for thinking 50 degrees is cold. But 